Hi, I'm Brandon. And I'm Megan. For years, we were stuck in a rut, always complaining that nothing ever changed for us. And then we realized, if we wanted to improve our lives, we had to put in the work. Each week on this podcast, we'll get into an aspect of personal growth, relationships, or just life. Through our own experiences and guest interviews, we hope to inspire you to make your own positive changes. Welcome Welcome to to the the Fools in Love Podcast. Podcast. Hi guys. Today we're excited to welcome Nicole Rule to the Fools in Love podcast. Nicole owns a business called Greatest Worth and also has a podcast, Your Greatest Worth. As a mom, entrepreneur, and money coach, she has a vision of helping women live a life they love by teaching them how to manage their money. With accountability, virtual classes, and practical support, she guides her clients through paying off debt and finding confidence with their budgets. Welcome, Nicole. Yes, thanks. Thanks for letting me be here. Yeah, Nicole, welcome. So before we get started, we always like to have people just share a little bit about themselves and just share their story. So if you'd be willing to do that, we'd just like to kind of give our audience some background of of where you're coming from and what kind of led you to this point. Sure, I would love to. So um, it's been a while now. It's been a hot minute since this all started, but it was probably about like eight years ago when I had this kind of aha moment, it was right after actually nine years now, right after my second child was born. And I was, you know, I had like the 12 weeks off and I knew that I had to go back to work and I wasn't really feeling it this time. There was something about that second baby that makes you want to like really just kind of be more present in your life and in your children's lives. And so I was like, well, how much do I actually have to go back to work in order to like pay our bills? And I was one who uh, never wanted to talk about the money. My, my husband actually was the one who did the money, which it's interesting because if you look at data now, it's actually women. It's more women than men who actually usually deal with the finances in a partnership. But back then, I was not interested. He kept getting me to try and pay attention to our money, and I was not interested. But, but this was my why. Like, I wanted to be able to have some time home with my kids. I didn't want to, like be off of work completely, but I just wanted some freedom. You know, I wanted options. And so I crunched the numbers and horrified, I found out that we had $100,000 in debt, which of course my husband already knew. And we were overspending every month, which of course is only possible if you have credit cards. So we were completely beyond our means and, and we felt it too. Like there was this kind of overarching hum of anxiety, like in the back of my head, it's kind of when anxiety started for me. I think it happens too when you have kids in general. I don't know if y'all have had that experience, but. Oh yes. (laughs) Yeah. It's weird. But so it was like kids and then all of a sudden, like kind of having this realization, like, I don't know anything about my money and I'm supposed to be an adult and I'm supposed to be contributing to retirement. I'm supposed to have savings and, you know, all the things you you know that you should do and actually want to do, but have no idea where to start or how to do it. So I found all that out and I was like, all right. When I, when I see, when I finally get like a grasp on a problem, I, I just am like, let's do this thing. And so I did all this research and I've since then have read so many books and just basically we figured it out. We, we started paying off the debt and, you know, created a budget, did all the things. And it took us about 26 months of being really diligent and kind of restricting ourselves 
to the point that I don't really recommend to my clients. It was kind of too restrictive, um, but we did end up paying it all off in 26 months. And from that point was when I was like, people started asking me, oh my gosh, how did you do that? Because actually when we were doing it, people were like, that's dumb and you're crazy. You're supposed to have student loan debt. You're supposed to have car debt. Like you're supposed to have all these things. That's normal. So when we were doing it, people thought we were crazy. And then afterwards they were like, oh my God, teach me how to do that. You know, like that sounds incredible. So I started coaching people for free and just kind of, it kind of trickled into this business that I now do and totally love. And it's, it's definitely my passion to give this information to people. Yeah. Wow. That's like, it's incredible because it's, it's just funny as you're talking, I'm thinking about how we get, we have the anxiety about debt, like you were talking about. And I think we all have the anxiety that we're kind of carrying it. It's like this weight that we carry around almost like a backpack full of this debt. But yet there is some level of comfort with it too. Like you said, like people are like, well, yeah, you're supposed to have student loan debt. You're supposed to have these things. And so it's kind of weird that relationship between feeling like, Hey, that's what everyone else is doing. Like they all have debt. So I'm completely fine with it. And then the complete opposite of when you guys just went crazy and paid off that (laughs) amount of debt, which wow. I mean, it's commendable. It's Mm -hmm. unbelievable, honestly. Yeah. yeah. And you know, that's kind of where it all starts for us though, because like what, where do we get these ideas about money. And I think it's always interesting people's relationships with money. I mean, yeah. could you speak to that? Like as far as like your clients, like just people come from all different places when they're talking about money. Uh, yes, totally. 100%. <laughs> and I, it's funny that I didn't even really tell you this part of my story. So while I was like in the process of paying off debt, like when we started out, it was very much, we were on the budget, we were strict about it. And, and for a few months, you know, it worked. But I was like, this sucks. This is not fun at all. Like, I don't, there's no way this is sustainable. Like, even if we do pay this off, there's no way I'm going to stick to this. I'm going to like go crazy at the end, you know, like some kid who goes to college finally and like goes crazy when they first mm-hmm. get there. So I knew that there had to be some other way. So kind of through the two and a half years, I kind of developed this system of like creating a vision for myself and creating values for myself and our family and then using those two things to guide my spending and to guide my budget and doing that like having this whole holistic view around money completely changed everything for me and within that process is a well that's kind of what the greatest worth process is i should start there and the first step of the greatest worth process is actually your mindset and your money stories so it's like, what did you, how did you grow up with money? And what do you believe about money? Um, because that's the thing about money is there's so much baggage usually for people. And it can go either way. I've found with clients, like you can either have grown up dirt poor. And so then you think uh, rich people are evil or you can grow up with a lot of wealth. And maybe you don't have a lot of opinions about money in general. And you don't necessarily have any anything tied up into it. But so it's like kind of just seeing that money is a tool. That's actually like my tagline, like money is just a tool to make the life that you love. That's really what I believe. You just got to use it and manage it in a way that suits you. 
so that you can go after your dreams. I love that. I love that you're thinking of money as just a tool to get the life you want. Cause I think so many people, I mean, probably us included just think it's like, you know, this is a necessary thing. We have to deal with it. It's a chore yeah. and not so much that it's like a, a beautiful way to figure out where we're going in life. So I love that. That's very refreshing. Yeah. Thanks. And I really truly do believe it's like the only way that money can be sustained, like money management itself is sustainable for people. Otherwise it gets like dry and boring and it doesn't mean anything. You're just like managing these numbers. But when you start managing the numbers so that you can, you know, create a business or go to Europe with your family or to like go after these dreams that you're wanting to go after, it's very different way of thinking about money. Yeah. And I love that too, because when you think about money, like you were talking about, when you first started out in the process, you were like, how is this going to be sustainable? Like, there's no way I can continue to do this. Yeah. But you continued to kind of push forward. And we often like draw back analogies to like fitness and running because we both are runners. And, and, and I use the word love to do that very loosely because yeah. it is very difficult. But like much like people with fitness or like with their money, like it takes time to build that up and you do have to have that end vision, which is, it's so important that you said that because you have to have your eye on the prize at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Otherwise the day to day can just tear you down. Yeah. If you see the small progressions and can celebrate your small wins throughout it. I'm sure that's a lot of what kind of guided you through that whole process. Yeah, 100%. I was actually really bad at that in the beginning, like seeing the small wins. I'm actually just bad at that in my life, to be honest with you. I'm always like, okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? Once I reach the small win, I'm always looking even further in the future. So that's kind of been something for me. And that is something I teach my clients is like, start with your smallest debt. If that's your goal is to pay off all of your debt. Start with your smallest debt and start there first and pay that one off first because you do need the wins. You need to know that you can do this. And it is, it's totally just like fitness. I relate money management to fitness all the time. I, I don't even know if you guys know, but I'm actually a physical therapist by training. Oh, wow. Um, no. <laughs> that's the job that I quit to, to do this. And so I relate it to fitness all the time. They're so similar and it's so similar in your in your, the mindset you have to have in order to like push through, um, money, money management is not something people enjoy when they first start. And it's the same with exercise. If you're out of shape and you've not done it, it doesn't feel good in the beginning. And so you do have to figure out how to push through that not good feeling. Yeah. It's crazy. Those parallels, who would have thought that you could even make a parallel between money and fitness? Yeah. <laughs> so I want to, change the course of our conversation a minute because I know that there's this big thing going on right now, AKA COVID. Yes. <laughs> and it feels like, you know, everywhere we turn, everyone's talking about the coronavirus and I almost don't want to because I know how crazy it is that we all have to talk about all the time, but I do think it's really important. So I'm going to go there anyway. And I wanted to ask you if you could share some strategies for handling money and budgeting while you're in a crisis or emergency type situation. Yes, I would love to because honestly, I feel like this has been really dear to my heart um, and near to my heart with COVID because actually my husband, he's a realtor and he, you know, basically has lost all of his business and he was our main 
income source. So it was something we did immediately. And I like shared it on, you know, social media and stuff to show people like, even we're still doing this, it doesn't end just because we are debt free, or we, we, we reached this one goal, we still do these things that we're talking about. So the way for people to start whether or not you already have a budget is to just first start because I'm a physical therapist, start by moving your body. <laughs> and that's going to sound crazy. You, I know you guys get it because I know that you guys are Rachel Hollis fans too. And you, you live by this since you're runners. But it is really seriously crucial before you dig into something that feels stressful or anxiety producing to move your body because movement honestly heals. I used to tell my patients this all the time. But the benefits of exercise before attempting to do something that's, you know, super mentally taxing are the endorphins provide clarity of mind. You are more resilient after you exercise. You know, it can reduce symptoms of anxiety, which of course will rear its head when you're talking about money, especially if you're talking about money with a partner for the first time. That can be super anxiety producing and like shame, like shame producing. Um, so I really say, you know, move your body first. So that's the first thing I do, even if it's like 10 minutes, just do something so that you kind of get out of your head. And then the second step that's actually like the money step is you've got to have awareness. So whether you have a budget in place or not, it really doesn't matter. You just need to know where all of your money has been going before you can make a plan on how to manage it. So if you don't have a budget in place and you haven't been tracking it, what you can do is you can, however you spend money, whether it's on a credit card or your debit card or whatever, you have to go back to those places and like print out the last four weeks of transactions. And, and you want to go through every single transaction, which will probably honestly be easier now because we all have a lot less <laughs> transactions <laughs> than we normally did. And if you want to know like pre-COVID, I would say go back to like January and, and print out your January transactions. And then you, you create a spreadsheet and you give each of those transactions like a category. So if you went to the grocery store and you, you don't remember if it was all groceries or not, I would just label it groceries. You don't want to make it super complicated. You just want to get a rough idea of what you're spending in what area. And then you can, from there, you can be like, okay, now I know that I spend $500 on takeout last month, which I guess some people could still be doing. That was our big thing that we noticed when we started making a budget. We were spending an inordinate amount of money going out to eat. It was crazy. I mean, I I wouldn't know anything about that. (laughs) (laughs) Do you like it too? Or are you homebodies? Oh, oh, we love it. Yeah. It's crazy how much you can spend. And I totally live in a foodie town. And so there's like a new restaurant every month. And so, yeah, it was crazy. So just, just having the awareness will allow you to to then look back and be like, oh, I don't want to spend $500 a month on uh, take out, I would like to put $300 of that towards a savings account because that's our first goal. You know, we want to have an emergency fund or something, mm-hmm. which, you know, a lot of people right now are probably feeling that like, dang it, I wish I would have been saving. Um, so this is a way to create that emergency fund. So that those are like the first two steps, I would say. 
And then for me during this time, it's been really important to redefine my values. But for people who haven't done it before, you know, your listeners might because they listen to y'all talk about this kind of stuff, but um, to define like name and define your values. So what do you love most in the world? What is most important to you? So like to you guys, it sounds like health is really important. So, you know, maybe when you do eat out, it might be more important to eat out at a restaurant that serves healthy options, which is often more expensive. So you just need to know this kind of thing about yourself so that you can make room in your budget to, to be able to afford that. Yeah. And I think the budget as you're talking about it, because that's like a process we use. I mean, every month you have to kind of go to the drawing board and be like, these are our main bills. This is what we're spending and you have to track it. Mm -hmm. But how we always used to live was, well, that's scary or I don't want to deal with that or I don't want to talk about that. And if I don't know about it, then, you know, ignorance is bliss, right? right? I can, I can feel a little better. And I think the challenges for a lot of our listeners out there is they're probably living the same way. Like they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to look at it because it could be scary, Yeah. but at some point they're going to have to unpack it. Right. <laughs> yeah. And for us, for me and my husband, it was actually a really connecting experience, even though like he had lost his job and we're like, Oh my God, what are we going to do? Um, it was really connecting to go through and actually create, we call it an emergency budget or like a bare bones budget. So we cut out uh, literally like 50% of our spending we cut out and we still feel like we're living this incredible, amazing life. And we're choosing to do it because you know my husband wants to do his own thing. So he's going to not pursue the real estate right now. And so we're just living on this really small amount because that is our value right now is to help him like find what he wants to be doing with his life. So it's so crucial and actually fairly connecting to have these kinds of conversations with your partner, because when you don't talk about it, that's when the, the guilt or the shame, like I remember before we used to budget, I would come home from target and have like these bags from target and my husband would always be like, oh my God, what did you buy now? Like, he, because he, he knew we were overspending, right? Whereas in my mind, I'm like, look, I'm just buying like cleaning supplies and toilet paper and clothes for the kids. Like somebody has to do it, you know? So then we're like in this battle immediately. Whereas now that we have this budget and we both are aware of the budget, like I can go to Target whenever I want and there is like nothing. There's no fight. There's we don't even talk about it. He actually is like, thank you for going to Target. I hate going to Target. I didn't want to do that shopping. So thank you for doing that. It's just a very different atmosphere that you can create when you have this awareness together. I love that. And okay, so you guys are on the same page. You didn't used to be. We're on the same page. We didn't used to be. What about a listener who's struggling with the fact that they're on two different places with their spouse or their significant other? They just can't, they just can't get it. They just don't, they're not in the same place. They're not ready to commit to the same goals and values for money. Well, I'm curious how you guys got on the same page. I will tell you, I'll tell you my answer, but I'm curious how you guys did it. Well, I've always been a little bit more of the, the planner and the saver. And Brandon was kind of the, kind of the you, I think, where he's yeah. blissfully unaware. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, back in, gosh, 2009, 
uh, I had to quit my job. And when I quit my job, we were like, oh, shoot, if I'm the main person in charge of the money and also the main person making the money, uh, we're going to need a plan. We're going to need to talk about this and, you know, figure this out. And that's really when so many things of our life started. But that's when we changed states. That's when we, you know, decided to move in with my dad for Mm. a year. And I think that during that time, we just kind of were able to figure it out that, you know, if we don't talk about it, if we don't make a plan to to get things rolling, we're not going to, nothing's ever going to change. We're just going to live with him forever. And (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So you guys, I guess you, you basically did what I'm going to tell people to do. So my strategy for people always is to never start by talking about the money. So what my husband would do is he would always come to me and he would be like, we have to talk about the budget. Here's the budget I created, right? Like he made this thing that I had no input on because I did, I refused to basically, right? Like I was being a jerk, but um, he, he was like, we got to talk about this. We're overspending, you know, and all I heard was like, blah, blah, blah. And then, and then he, so then it started basically like a fight immediately because I felt like I was the bad person because I wasn't participating in this and I wasn't didn't think that this was important as he did. And so it just was not a great way to start. So what I tell people is you always have to start with like, what is your dream? Like, what is your, I call it a vision. So whether that vision, you know, right now with coronavirus, I'm telling people like, really, you just need like a six month vision. (laughs) Normally I tell people like a 10 year vision, but right now you kind of, I say, come, come in and like do it six months to a year. That's what I'm doing personally because things are changing so quickly. It's hard to, it's hard to imagine 10 years from now, honestly. So bring it in six months to a year. Like, what do you want? And let me tell you what I want. And so then you share this dream that you have with your partner and then say like, what do you want? What are you hoping for? And then normally they'll share, right? If you're on like date night or something, they likely will just share And then what happens is from that point, just like you guys, you can some, you can honestly pull connections to how your money life or how your money situation will support you in those dreams, right? So whether or not you need to change things or create a budget or pay off debt or have an emergency fund, whatever, like money is really a huge support in any kind of dream that we have. So that is where I tell people to start, start with the vision and then say like, I see how, you know, if we paid off this debt, we could really go after this dream of starting our own business because then we wouldn't have so much risk, right? We wouldn't have all these debt payments looming over our heads. So it comes from a different place when you share your vision versus just sharing like the numbers. The numbers are boring. The numbers are annoying. No one really cares about the numbers until there's like a vision attached to them. Yeah, that's so true. It's so true. Cause like when, when I was like even preparing to talk into you today, I'm just like money, when you talk about money in and of itself, like as a couple, we obviously do it. You and your husband do it. It's not the sexiest thing in the world to talk <laughs> about, but, but when you attach the vision to it, when you attach the dream to it, that's power because yeah. There's so many times where people use that rationalization, like I don't have the money or I'm working this other job, so I don't have the time 
to, and I, and I can't just go do this because I don't have the money. And so you can do a lot of that. And, uh, for me personally, my biggest struggle, and I often, when I talk to people, even though they don't say it, they say it through kind of their actions and their words is there's this sense with your money of entitlement. Mm -hmm. Like I'm entitled to do this because I work my butt off all day. Mm -hmm. So if I want to go out and, you know, live it up for a little bit of time, I should be able to. Even when I don't afford it. Yeah. Even when I can't afford it. You know, I just like, I'm like, well, you know, I work hard every day and I know a lot of people out there, obviously we're all working hard every day, but the struggle I used to have, thankfully I don't anymore was that even when I was making very little, I was still working hard. And then in my mind, I could just spend money on whatever I want. Yes. And so what would you say to someone like my past self in that case? Yeah, that's so hard, right? Because that is, that's someone's, that's someone's perception of reality. Like that is literally, that was your reality was like you were entitled to spend that money. And that's honestly the excuse I used for a super long time with my husband. I was like, we are so frugal. Like we barely spend any money. Like here are our friends, like getting these enormous houses and fancy cars. And we have like a clunker. Like, (laughs) what are we doing wrong? Like we deserve to do this or just spend and not care. So I remember that. I really do remember that. And it's, it's really like personal work people have to do. And I, that's why I appreciate you guys so much and why I pitched to y'all to be on your podcast because that's, the, that's what this is all about is like taking responsibility for yourself and your situation. I think for me, one of the things like even my friends to this day or while I was paying off my student loans, you know, they were like, I'm not paying it off. The government needs to, um, like, what are they, what are they all like, yeah, not refund them, but like forgive it or forgive it. Yes. They're still waiting for the government to like forgive their loans because they feel like student loans are just such a mess. And it was like a, a fraud to them basically. And what is the, what is the value and feel like feeling like a victim? Like, where is that going to get them in their life and with their money? Right? They're still sitting with their student loans while I paid mine off six years ago, right? And have been living this completely different life because of taking action for myself. So it's hard to change people's minds. It's like they have to be at a certain point to see that it's, it's actually about them. Like that's the problem, right? To feel entitled is, a, is, is allowing yourself to be a victim to something or someone. It really, for us, it got to that point where like for me individually, like Megan was already there, but for me individually, it got to the point where I was like doing a lot of what you've already been speaking to. Like we, we were got getting to a place where we were making more money, but then we never had more money. And it was like, how do we, I, I don't understand. Like, and so like a lot of ways, like you were saying, then that makes you want to educate yourself and look a little deeper because you're like, how could I be earning more money and then not have more money? Yeah. And then it's just, it's like a frustration. And then rather than getting to that place where like that frustration is then victimizing myself, mm-hmm. that I was educating myself and changing it, turning the table. And that's where my eyes were open to my beliefs on everything with money. Yeah. Because I think we all come with our own baggage and we take it from other people, our parents, our own experiences, much mm-hmm. like everything else in life. 
And that's one of the things that you got to be able to do is look in the mirror. Yeah. That honestly, that's beautifully said. I can't really say anything else. (laughs) It really is. It really is about your choices, what you decide to do. So you had touched on this for just a second, a little bit of what little bit ago, but I wanted to see, I know that in your personal story, you've seen like your husband and you become closer during this budgeting and redoing of your dreams financially. Have you seen it for other people? Have you seen it in real and real life situations where, you know, outside of you and your husband, things get better, like the relationship strengthens because you're finally opening up and talking about this big elephant in the room? Yes, <laughs> totally. All, always, pretty much always. So what usually happens is the, I mean, I've had same sex couples too, but often it'll be like a man and a woman and the woman will find me, right? Because I'm a, a, obviously catering to women. So the woman of the couple will find me and then she'll, you know, be in contact with me and we'll talk about coaching and she'll be like, well, my husband is just not interested. And I'll be like, oh, tell me more. <laughs> you know, tell me more <laughs> about that. And so then she'll tell me, well, he's so busy and blah, blah, blah. And so I, I'll always, always be like, you know, why don't you just start with a conversation? Just start with the conversation about what you're hoping and everything you just told me in like this intro conversation about what you want for your life and what you're hoping and what your dreams are. So it's the same thing. You know, she's just like, spilled her guts to me about the freedoms that she wants and what she wants for her life and how that relates to her money, right? She's already, she's already put those two things together. That's why she found me. But she doesn't think her husband's interested. So then they go and they have the conversation with their husband and they're like, oh my gosh, he was totally into this and he really <laughs> he wants to do the coaching with me. Can he do that? And I'm like, of course he can. Like, let's do this thing. So it often even will happen where like we'll do coaching as a couple, which is really has is really fun and where you can see a lot of just it's just beautiful to see people connect about such a like such a thing that probably caused a lot of strife and anxiety and stress in their relationship before and then to see them connecting and being, you know, really authentic and vulnerable because Talking about money, you know, isn't just about the numbers, but it's also about the vision and your values and, you know, the the biggest, most amazing parts of you that you don't really share with the world. You don't really share with everyone. So you get to talk about all these things and then and do it together. And so, uh, yes, 100% it's connecting and, and not just for me and my husband. I've seen it multiple times in clients. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And I will say too, like this kind of connection isn't just like a, um, yeah, we have a better relationship now. We, we don't fight about money anymore, which is true. That will happen. I don't know if that's happened for you guys, but it's definitely happened for my husband and I. We just don't fight about money. But then there's also like the other benefit of like when you're not fighting as much, like there's other, there's like your, you know, increased intimacy, like all the things that, you know, weren't available before because you were arguing about something stupid about a target run now that's not there and so what's there instead is like a connection to this amazing vision you have together and you start achieving these dreams together you start actually like achieving them and then yeah you have like even more connection in all the realms so emotional you know and physical connection all of it 
Yeah, you get all the you get all the best parts of it because yeah. that's the that's the thing for us. It's the same thing. It's just in any area of our life, and our listeners would know this, but we look for ways that we can become closer together. And so, when it came to that money piece, it was really just a lot of like, I think like even underseated resentment on the fact that I didn't care, much like your husband was probably saying. Like, there's yeah. like I just didn't care, but then like not only did I not care and then Megan had to deal with that, then she had to take the weight of all of it on her back because when you can kind of hold it up together and attack it together, it just makes it such an easier thing to take rather than trying to have one person take it on together. And like you said, it's opened it up for us in every area of our life, not just money, but, but in everything where we're willing to kind of peel the onion together, take a deeper look, even though it's not always comfortable. It just allows our relationship to flourish. Totally. Yep. Okay. So we wanted to ask you if you just had to give your top few pieces of advice for budgeting or your top few book recommendations, basically anything we haven't covered that people need to know about this whole budgeting and financial freedom. What are your best, what are your best things? What are your best recs? Okay. First thing, which I've kind of touched on before, is you just just have to start with the awareness. So you just have to start by like gathering data. Um, so you can do that by going through your accounts, but also realizing that like, I, I heard this, I think it was at, actually at Rise Business where it stuck in my mind when Rachel said like, you're just stacking dimes. And I totally believe this with money. So what that means in money is like, One tiny action that you take today could just be that you download your account statements and that's all you do today. And then tomorrow you take one account statement and you categorize all the transactions. And then the next day you do another account statement. And then the next day you actually figure out how you're going to build a budget. Maybe you're just going to do it on paper. And then the next day you figure out what your income is. So you can see how those tasks are not enormous tasks if you do them one task at a time. They're like a dime, right? Like that's what she's saying. So, But then as you stack those dimes, you can see how within like a week or two, you're going to have a fully functioning budget. Whereas, you know, when people start to look at their money, they're just overwhelmed. They're like, this is so big and I am in such a mess. I have no idea where to start. So my best advice for people is to not say that to yourself and to literally just be like, what is one thing I can do today that will get me forward to my desired act, my desired goal? Maybe your end goal is to pay off all your debt. So the one action you're going to take today is just to look at your bank account, which a lot of people don't do. I mean, so that one action is huge actually you know it's it's a dime that you're stacking so don't let it overwhelm you just start with whatever feels available to you that day and just take that action and and keep taking action and then as far as like books i'm trying to think i i read so many stinking books so for me as you guys know like money is so much bigger than just a budget so of course, there are like, I really believe like personal development books are huge when you're thinking about your money. So there's 
You are a badass at making money, if you guys have heard of that one. And that's all about money mindset. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, anything by Rachel Hollis was really meaningful to me in my uh, like personal development journey. And the more we can kind of look inside, right, the, the less we'll be a victim and the more we'll start taking action for our life. So any kind of personal development book that feels amazing to y'all, go read it, go start. Then some actual money books. I loved Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover. That one, of course, you know, if people are not Christian, it's very Christian. But you can, if you can like take that out, if you're not Christian, his, his plan is like solid. Like it's a solid money plan. So you can kind of follow that. But then the some that I loved that they're, they're money books, but they're more about like the bigger picture of money, like more how your life is more than like what you, what your income is. There's one called your money or your life. That one's super old school, but I read that one really early on and she really opened my eyes to the fact that like this, like money is not about numbers. Like we're talking about, she's, she talks a lot about how time is more valuable than money. And she puts that into perspective for you. So that one was really um, eye opening to me. Trying to think, there was one recently I read. His name is, it's Millennial Money, I think is his site. His name is Grant Sabatier. He has a podcast too. And he's like super existential. I love listening to him because he's he's totally up my alley. He's like personal development and money, but he's like a super money nerd. So he has all this like data. So (laughs) he just wrote one called Financial Freedom. And that's a really good book, but it's very like numbers heavy. So, to, to, but he also is, he, he very much is like, this is about your life. This is not like, I'm trying to pay off debt. No, you are trying to create a life that you want to be living. You know, that's really what you're trying to do. So I would say those, that's also all I can think of right now. <laughs> uh, no, that's great. That's great. Okay. Well, Nicole, I wanted to ask, like, if listeners want to learn more about you and how maybe you could help them with some of your coaching or bet to better manage their money, how can they find you? Yeah, you can go to my site, greatestworth.com, and there's all kinds of stuff there. So I do a group coaching, which is really the most affordable way to, to start coaching. It's just $29 a month. And there's like two live lessons every day. Um, it's, it's really fun, really amazing. And then, of course, I do one-on-one coaching, and that's all in the shop at Greatest Worth. I have workbooks that are really, I make them as cheap as possible so that people can get started uh, right away if they want to just do it on their own. And I also, I forgot to mention, you guys, that I created, my husband and I, we created a course called the Emergency Budget Blueprint, and we actually, we created it during coronavirus, and we made it pay what feels good. So you can literally get it for free, or you can pay whatever feels good. And that will help you basically start from nothing and have an emergency budget in place by the end. That is so cool. What an amazing thing you guys did. I, that is, that's really awesome. Love yeah, that. We wanted to be, we knew that we could like give. And so we were like, let's just make this like what, what feels good to people. We didn't want to restrict people who really needed it, you know? Beautiful. So we just wanted to say thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on today. We've definitely enjoyed it. I know our listeners are going to love this and get a lot out of it. So thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Megan and Brandon. It was delightful. 
Hey, B, what did you think of that episode? I think it was pretty dang good. Well, what should someone do if they enjoyed these last 30 minutes? They should probably head over and leave us a review so we can reach more people. They definitely should. Guys, if you like the Fools in Love podcast, please go follow us over on Instagram at Fools in Love Podcast. We'd love to connect with you and learn more about what you'd like to hear.